Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, my friend, what's up? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Glad you're here. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Hey, we've got a great episode for you today. We have a student of Booked and Paid to Speak. And if you are not familiar with Booked and Paid to Speak, it is our primary flagship training program where we are teaching a system on exactly how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So you know, whether you're a brand new speaker, you're just getting started, or you're a speaker who's been doing this for a little while, you're trying to figure out how to get more speaking engagements or get paid more wherever you're at in your speaking journey, book and paid to speak is the training program that you need to really, again, have that step-by-step -step system and plan to find and book paid speaking engagements. So today we talked through with Jill about, about how she got her start in speaking. She was someone who worked in the corporate world for many, many years and was making a solid six-figure income and decided, okay, I've always wanted to do this speaking thing. So how do I make this leap? How do I make this transition? We talk about the biggest contributors to her success, why picking a very specific niche for her has made a massive, massive difference. Now, this is something we, we talk a lot about on the show. And there are certainly students who say, hey, I want to, you know, I want to speak to anybody and everybody about everything and anything. And that is not something that we would recommend. You really want to be specific. And Jill has done a great job with that. So she talks through uh, exactly what she's the kind of the, the lane that she has picked for herself to be in in the speaking industry, and how that's made a big difference for her. We also talk about what she does when she gets discouraged, when she wants to quit, and then also advice that she would give to other speakers who are maybe where she's been or where, where she is and, and where she started. So uh, definitely really good stuff here from Jill that I think you're going to enjoy. Hey, before we get to this, let me again quickly remind you, if you are looking for a step-by-step -step system for you on how to get started, uh, maybe you want some more information on our Booked and Paid to Speak training program, uh, I would definitely encourage you to check out freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com, where we are, again, just walking through exactly how to find and book paid speaking engagement. So freespeakerworkshop.com, again, totally free, no strings attached. If you want more information on Booked and Paid to Speak, we cover it there, but even if you just want some free training on uh, finding speaking engagements, then definitely check it out again over at freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, without further ado, let's get right into it. Here is my chit chat with Miss Jill Christensen. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Hey, today I'm joined by Jill Christensen, who is a member of Booked and Paid to Speak and has been killing it. She has absolutely been crushing it as a speaker, and I'm super excited to chat with her today. We were just talking a little bit before we started recording here, and she's just dominating right now, so I'm super proud of her. Uh, so we're going to be talking about her story, her journey, but also going to be talking about how she can begin to scale her business beyond the stage and going to be discussing that. So Jill, let's start with this. Give us what does your business look like today? How many events are you doing? And also primarily, like, what are you speaking about and who are you speaking to? Great. Thank you so much, Grant, for having me on this. So I'm so excited. I thought that it was very important when I came out of the gate as a speaker to pick a lane. And so 
I speak about employee engagement. So my keynote speech teaches people the four-step process in my book about how to re-engage their workforce. And that's so important because according to Gallup, 87% of global workers are disengaged. And so my target audience is human resources professionals. And the reason they're my target is because senior leaders have outsourced culture to HR. Uh-huh. HR professionals own culture change inside of organizations. Gotcha. So when you are beginning as a speaker mm-hmm. and you're going, all right, I want to teach employee engagement, but I have no idea what to do from there. Like, how did you start to figure out like HR conferences is going to be my ticket? It's going to be my bread and butter. Uh, how did you kind of land? Like, how did you get to that point? Okay. So I got to that point because again, HR owns culture change. And so I thought if I have a four-step process that teaches people how to change their culture in an effort to re-engage employees, I need to be speaking to the people who own this inside of the companies. And so what I did then was I Googled what are the largest associations around the globe for HR professionals. And I've heard of SHRM and SHRM popped up. I think there are 500,000 HR professionals in SHRM chapters around the globe. Hmm. And so then... Oh, you know, regardless of what organizations you're going after and what topic you speak about, as you have taught us, if you're going after an association, there is a global association, there is a national association, there are state associations, and within every U.S. state, there are local associations. So when you add up all of those SHRM chapters, there are approximately 500 opportunities to speak in the United States alone. Wow. And so what I did was I looked at the the dates and the names of the five SHRM chapters and I put them on an Excel spreadsheet. And then I looked up every single state conference because that's an annual event. Mm -hmm. And I put it on an Excel spreadsheet. So there I was up to 55 events. And I started looking at the chapters in the states around me. So there are like eight chapters in Colorado, five chapters in Wyoming, five chapters in Nebraska, five chapters in Arizona. And I can drive to all of these chapters in like within five hours. Hmm. And so I started targeting all the local chapters and speaking at those events. And so what I did, Grant, is I came out of the gate speaking at local SHRM events. And then once I got like 10 local SHRM events under my belt, then I started going after speak being the keynote speaker at state SHRM events. And then once I got four of those under my belt, I applied to speak at a national SHRM event, which I landed this year as well. That's so cool. So everything you're describing there, to be devil's advocate, it sounds like a lot of work. Like just researching all of these and trying to figure and put it all into a spreadsheet. I mean, it just sounds very monotonous, tedious, boring, blah. Grant, it was a ton of work. Now, I have to say, I have reached out to somebody in India now to start helping me build my lists. And I don't remember the name of the organization, but it's a freelance organization. And I went online and I said, I need someone to build a list. Somebody is charging me $3 an hour to look for healthcare conferences because I've now realized that employee engagement is an issue in the healthcare industry. And so even though my topic is industry agnostic, Uh I am choosing to go after healthcare conferences. So this person came back with a list of 300 healthcare conferences in the United States, and those conferences are now on my list. But I have not outsourced the duty of picking up the phone or going online and Googling each of these conferences and figuring out where it is, when it is, 
finding out who the conference planner's name is, sending them an email or picking up the phone. Because what I've realized, Grant, is nobody can sell me the way I can sell me. And, And maybe I'm wrong in that. And maybe I should be outsourcing that to an executive admin. But, you know, in these early stages, I'm not making the kind of money that I made in corporate America. So I don't have the money initially. This is my first year. Mm-hmm. to hire an admin to, you know, to pay them $10 an hour, $15 an hour to be making all of those phone calls. Yeah. And also I've got to tell you, I am learning so much by doing this myself. Yeah. And there are times when I make the phone call and the conference planner picks up the phone. Yeah. And three of the keynote addresses that I've given at Sherm conferences this year, it happened exactly that way. The person who's responsible for the event picked up the phone and I engaged that person in a 45 minute conversation about my topic, about what I do, um, about my style. And within a couple of days, I was booked to be the keynote speaker with a paid fee. Very cool. Very cool. You you mentioned that even now you're starting to branch into doing like healthcare type events and conferences. But I like what you said too at the beginning that you started with HR. I'm going to pick a lane. This is what I'm going to focus on. Because you like you said, you're speaking on a topic that could hypothetically speak to most any industry, right? Absolutely. But instead of saying like, I'm speaking on this to anybody, so I'm going to try to market to everybody, saying, no, 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 I'm just going to focus on HR. And now that I've got some traction there, now I see this other opportunity over there. It doesn't mean I'm going to abandon HR or now I'm going to go from HR to everybody, but I'm going to go just pick up one other potential market that I'm going to market to without spreading myself too thin. Absolutely. And that has been incredibly successful for me because now I've picked up three healthcare conferences. And so now when I'm going out and targeting other healthcare events, you know, I can say that, you know, even though employee engagement is industry agnostic, you know, I've realized by speaking at several healthcare events that there's an employee engagement issue within the healthcare industry. And so now I have a keynote speech that is a version of my HR speech that focuses on not only employee engagement and satisfaction, but the ties to patient engagement and satisfaction. And so the healthcare conference planners are like, wow, we know that that's a major issue. And, but they still see me as someone who's very targeted, mm-hmm. you know, and they like that. So a lot of the HR conference planners who did book me have said, Jill, One thing that we really like about you is that you don't talk about 15 different HR topics. You pick the lane and that you have the courage to call yourself an employee engagement expert. So I have found that conference planners are really looking for experts. And another thing, Grant, I found that it really helps if you are a published author. And so one of the first few questions the conference planners have asked me is, are you a published author and do you have a book? Hmm. Because if you're a keynote speaker, the people in the audience want to engage with you after you're out and done speaking. They want more of you. So they want to buy your book. They want you to sign the book. They want to meet you. And so if you have a book, that's more, that gives you something more that you can engage with, with the audience mm-hmm. rather than standing at your table with, you know, a free giveaway or postcards or mm-hmm. you know, a tchotchke that has your name on it. And so again, it's, I think it also helps you as a business because then it's a reminder of what you do. Yeah. And, you know, several people who have purchased my book are people who are now clients. Saw me on the stage, do my keynote. I inspired them and I educated them. My book continued to inspire and educate them back at home, back in the workforce. And now when they, if they think I really do need someone to help me with my culture, I'm one of the first people who come to mind. Cool. 
I like that. One of the things that you'd also mentioned to me uh, before we started recording here was that you're not trying to do 94 different HR topics that you have. How many keynotes at this point? I have one keynote address. One, just one. one. So, okay. I'm curious because again, it sounds counterintuitive. You think, oh no, you, you need to offer all these types of topics. How have you found offering one talk has benefited you? It has benefited me personally because in all honesty, I've given this keynote presentation 26 times this year, and I think 25 times last year. You know, I'll be really honest with you. I don't have it down 100%. I know that may seem weird, but I've never set out to memorize my speech word for word Mm -hmm. because I want to be as real and as raw and as genuine and inspiring on the stage as possible. And so I can't even imagine trying to quote unquote memorize five to 10 speeches. And so I feel like that in order for me to knock the ball out of the park and to be an incredible speaker, which is what I set out to do. Mm -hmm. If I have one speech that I have to learn and perfect, because I'm still massaging it. Right. And I still get feedback from people in the audience or conference planners. I'm still tweaking that speech. And so I want that speech to be incredible. And so therefore, I not only picked a lane, I picked one audience and I picked one speech. And another thing I've realized, Grant, is let's say I had two or three keynote speeches. I don't believe that conference planner is going to bring me back next year, even if I do an amazing job to give a speech on a different topic, because they're going to want another personality on that stage, right? right? If you're the keynote speaker, you had that audience's captive attention for 45 minutes then you did a book signing. Right. And so even though you did a great job, there are lots of great speakers. And so they're going to want another great speaker next year. So I feel like for that reason, I'm really not putting myself behind the eight ball, if you will, in terms of getting booked to speak again next year, Mm -hmm. because there's so many speakers out there. They're going to want a different person on that stage. So I will stay in contact with that conference planner by sending them my blog every week. You know, if I come out with a second edition of my book, I will just send them that for free in a few years, you know, keeping them engaged in a warm way. And then maybe four years from now, reaching out and saying, you know, here's my topic. My guess is by then I will have been doing this for several years. And so that maybe I do have an additional keynote speech or something has changed enough to where they can book me again. Right. And I can totally echo that. I know just literally a couple days ago, I did an event and it was a a repeat event. They had me probably five, six years ago. And even afterwards talking with a client, he was great. And he's like, you you did awesome. We'll talk to you in four or five years. And typically it is a kind of a longer life cycle. So one thing I'm curious about too, is you mentioned that you're, there's a lot of great speakers that speak on HR topics. And so there's a busy industry, but there's also Uh a lot of opportunity. So how have you kind of differentiated yourself and stood out from the crowd when a potential client has, you know, not just you, but hundreds of potential quality speakers to choose from? Absolutely. As I just told you earlier, um, before the call began, I was just chosen to be a breakout speaker at HR Southwest. Mm -hmm. And they said there were 4,000 people who applied for my session time slot. Right. And so the, the numbers are absolutely enormous. And so there are two things that I set out from the gate to differentiate myself from the pack. One, I chose a topic to speak about and to write about that I'm so incredibly passionate about. Yeah. My goal in life is to fix every dysfunctional business culture in the world, right? Yeah. I have worked in many dysfunctional cultures. I have consulted in many dysfunctional cultures. And there is no reason why Billions of people need to be going to work every day and working in these crappy dysfunctional cultures 
that do not lift them up, that don't inspire them to be the greatest version of themselves and don't inspire them to give 100% discretionary effort at work. So it is something that I am passionate about to my core. And I know that that comes through in my conversations with the conference planners and when I'm on stage. That's number one. Number two is I did a lot of investigation. And again, your booked and paid to speak helped me tremendously. Conference planners are not looking for a motivational speaker, in my opinion. They are looking for a speaker who educates and inspires. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about getting up on that stage and entertaining the audience. It's about, I read that conference planners really want somebody who's going to get on that stage and provide their audience with a solution or a strategy to a problem that the audience has and teach the audience that strategy so that they can leave the conference and execute on the solution that you've taught them tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also, I've set out to be very inspirational. So my goal isn't, it's not just to um, entertain the audience. It's to educate the audience and inspire them to act once they leave the conference. So that is what I focused on because I really believe that that's what conference planners are looking for. Beautiful. Well said. No, I'm curious because you mentioned you had joined Booked and Paid to Speak. So I'm curious, how has the course helped you? And, and not only just the course, but the, the community as well, because I know that you're active in the community, that you're chiming in with feedback and even things that you've learned. And I know I remember a post recently, you said like, hey, guys, this is really hard work, but it works, yeah. you know, and most people, most speakers just aren't willing to put in the effort and the work. And so they quit too early. So I'm just curious what you have learned and, and how it's benefited you. So I think I signed up for the course and within 24 hours, I went through all eight modules, yeah. right? And so I was just dedicated. I want to be a professional speaker yeah. for a living yeah. and I am not going to fail at this. I am going to succeed and hit the ball out of the park. Yeah. And so when I have that type of a mindset, I immerse myself in anything that I purchase. And again, I read extraordinary things about your course. I went through the eight modules. I learned so much in that course. You helped me fast track my way to be a, being a professional speaker. One of the things that I found most helpful was all of the documents, right? Mm-hmm. The contracts, the checklists, the, you know, also the processes. Here's exactly yeah. what you need to do. The conversations with the conference planners, right? Yeah. Like I downloaded all of that to my computer and I use that language when I pick up the phone. I use that language in my emails and it works. Yeah. And so you shaved off months and months and months in terms of me benchmarking you know, what, how do I do this from a process standpoint? What are conference planners looking for? What is the language that I should be using in my conversations with them? What should I be doing six months before a month before a week before a week after two weeks after again, you literally bottled this profession into a course that is so incredibly valuable. And I have learned so much from you. And I've also just learned a lot on my own on that journey. Yeah. And in terms of the online, the Facebook community, I mean, yeah, it is hard, especially when you're someone like me who works out of their house, yeah. right? So there are days where I don't leave my home office. I'm sitting here for 10 hours a day, Grant, with my Excel spreadsheet, staring down the barrel of 400 conferences for 2018 yeah. that I'm committed to get booked and paid to speak at, right? And so that might be daunting, but I feel like the community gives me inspiration. The community gives me hope. The community lets me know that it's not just me, like I'm not doing anything wrong. Like this really is the process and it's how it works. And, And I know that next year or the year after, it won't be about me sitting here for 10 hours a day, 
sending emails and calling these conference planners because I'm going to move into a lead generation away from lead gen and into a space where I'm getting referrals. And I'm so excited about that. Right. right? But I know that this is the legwork and it's the hard work that you have to put in initially to really solidify your space in a very crowded marketplace. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think a lot of this has to go back to how bad do you want it? No, and I want this really badly. I want to be on CNN. Mm-hmm. I want to be a household name. I want to be a Simon Sinek. I want to get a TED Talk. Yeah. And so I'm a huge believer coming from the business world in process. Mm-hmm. And so I'm following the process. My community are the booked and paid to speak members. And when I have a success, it's so wonderful to share that with the community. It's also great to say, you know, this has been a crappy week yeah. and I haven't heard back from anyone. Yeah. And you know, just let me know that I'm not doing anything wrong. And, you know, people chime in and say, nope, Jill, this is the part of the journey. Yep, yep. You know, or Jill, have you thought about this? And could you tweak that? And again, it's just so beneficial to know. I'm not going to say misery loves company because that's not how I feel about this at all. Mm-hmm. But it's about having like-minded people who you can bounce your successes and your development areas, you know, off of to learn and grow and to help expedite this journey even faster than the materials that you have provided to us. Yeah. Well, I appreciate those kind words. And to your credit, you're the one that's been, you're busting your butt. I know that you're really yes. putting in the effort and putting in the work. And so, and you're seeing the results of it as well. So, I mean, you mentioned we're about halfway through the year at the time of this recording and you're, you've done 26 events this year and not just in the U S you're doing some international stuff now too, aren't you? Yeah, I got my first international gig booked this past spring. So a year after my book came out, I'm going to be the keynote speaker in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia in August at the HR World Congress event um, with like government officials and princes. And, you know, they're flying to me to Malaysia to speak for 45 minutes. Yeah. And I got my whole keynote speaking fee and they're paying all my expenses. And so now I'm going to Singapore for four days, like for a vacation. And I mean, like, this is the payoff, right? This is part of the journey. And, you know, and I also believe that this is a way that I'm going to launch my international speaking gig because now in my um, tagline, I say I'm an international keynote speaker. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all of these things matter, Grant. And so I remember you saying, you know, it's also about how are you defining yourself? And so I know that I wanted to say that I was an author. So initially I started out with employee engagement expert, author and speaker. Because I had the courage to call myself an expert yeah. because I know that's important to conference planners. Yeah. And now in a year, it's employee engagement expert, best-selling author, international keynote speaker. Cool. Right? Yeah. And so you think about your journey, and I really do need to do a better job at taking a step back and celebrating where I've come. I just keep focusing on the <laughs> declination next? letters, yep. right? Like when I wasn't booked to speak, but when I get a declination letter, I write back and I say, thanks for your feedback. You'll be seeing me. You'll be hearing from me in 2018. Yeah. And I put that conference down from 2017 down to 2018. Yeah. I don't strip it off the list. I don't see it as a failure. I view it as that I wasn't meant to speak at that event in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the people aren't in the audience who are meant to hear me. Maybe those conference planners just don't get what I'm all about. But maybe 2018 is my year. And you want to know what? If I get a declination letter in 2018, conference is moving to my list for 2019. Right, right. 
plugging away at this. Yeah, I was the exact same way. Like, there's times where if I didn't get the gig, I'd be so furious and ticked off and annoyed. Like, Why did they go with that speaker? But knowing that you're exactly right, that they're going to have the conference next year. And like we were talking about earlier, exactly. they're not going to have this year's speaker. So they're going to be back to the drawing board. And so if you stay on top of it, then you'll absolutely start to book those future events as well. So Exactly. I also want to share a little bit yeah. about, you know, this being asked to speak for free. Yeah. So the first year that I spoke, yes, there were times where I got on an airplane, stayed in a hotel, paid for all of that myself, didn't get paid to speak. But again, it was hundreds or thousands of people in my target audience. Mm -hmm. And I believe that I could make good connections. And also because I have a book, I'm making book sales, right? And that's another bonus of having a book. You're really not speaking for free because you're earning money off your book. And again, I'm still doing some of that, but it's very, very selective. At this point, if you're not going to give me a keynote speaker or fee to speak, you have to pay all my travel. So it's not costing me anything, you know, and then on that stage, that is how I get clients. So I don't sell from the stage, but there are people who come up to me after I speak and say, we need someone to help us fix our culture. So we're going to reach out to you, you know, to hire you to consult to do that. And I'm also getting the, the book sales, but there are strategic times where I still am getting on an airplane, paying for my hotel and not getting paid to speak. So like we talked about earlier, HR Southwest, there are 4,000 HR people at that conference in Texas. Laura Bush is the keynote speaker. Hmm. Told me that I didn't get chosen to be the keynote speaker. I'm I'm sure Laura will do a great job, (laughs) right? (laughs) My friends and I were laughing. I'm like, who beat me out? I'm like, oh, (laughs) Laura Bush. Okay, I guess I can- Former first lady, she's got that going for her. Right? And so, you know, but 4,000 people- went after your breakout session spot and you got it. So, you know, an event like that, absolutely. I'm flying myself to Texas and speaking alongside of Laura Bush and being a breakout speaker. Right. Right. You know, because again, 800 people in my target audience, I know I'm going to sell books. I'll probably pick up a client or two. And so in an instance like that, it's definitely worthwhile, but I'm being very selective and I have started to turn down as much as it pains me opportunities to speak, when I'm not the keynote speaker and they want me to pay all my travel expenses because it's not even good for my heart and my soul. You know, like it doesn't even feel good to really do that unless it's an amazing event like HR Southwest with Laura Bush. You also mentioned that you are doing some consulting. Are you using speaking primarily as a lead generation for consulting? How big of a piece of the pie right now is, is the consulting in your business? Yes, I am. And I'm amazed, Grant, because when I came out of the gate with all of this, I really thought speaking would be 20% of my business and consulting would be 80. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I'm finding. I'm getting booked to speak a lot. Yeah. And so 80% of my business is speaking, 20%, or really 10% is consulting, 10% is book sales okay. from a monetary standpoint. Yeah. And I thought it would be completely opposite. So, you know, they say don't sell from the stage. So I do mention my book. And I do give away like free postcards with my process on it. Mm -hmm. And I give away free bookmarks. And, you know, I say that I've got my book here, you know, today, if you're interested in it. And I have those all on the resource table in the back. And so I don't say that you can bring me in, you know, as a consultant. But I say throughout my keynote speech, like you recommended, you know, in my book, I talk about my four-step process. I say the clients that I've worked with have seen increases in employee engagement between four and 11 per points annually. Mm. So I'm alluding to the fact that I have clients that the process is in my book, but I do not stand up there and do the hard sell because I don't want to get in trouble, quote unquote, with the conference. 
Yeah, it's good to not, you don't want to burn that bridge, you know, and, and they didn't bring you in to pitch something. But like you're saying, and like you're discovering that speaking is great lead generation, even an indirect way of that talk was amazing. And I'm just, it's me and a coworker here hearing you, but we got, you know, 30 people back at the office that need to hear this. Can you come do that for the rest of our team? Absolutely. So every single client that I have right now mm-hmm. was somebody who sat in an audience where I spoke at a breakout session or a keynote. Yeah. Every single one of them. Yeah. So it is my lead gen magnet for clients. Yeah. Because again, you have 45 minutes of their captive undivided attention, right? So you have 45 minutes to wow them and to really make an impression. And again, I really think it's important to have the confidence and the courage to declare that you are an expert. I cannot tell you how many conference planners and of my clients say to me, Jill, you're here not because you, you know, are an HR expert and there are 15 different areas where you could be consulting. Mm -hmm. We brought you in because we have culture issues and you're an expert about how to fix a culture. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, like we were talking about earlier, feels counterintuitive to pick this really narrow niche and lane. But as you're finding, you're going to have potential clients who are saying, we picked you because you are the go-to person. You're not this generalist who can speak on anything and everything, but no, no, Jill is the go-to authority on employee engagement. Absolutely. I wrote the book on employee engagement. Yeah. Right. And I think that may even be in your booked and paid to speak. And so, you know, and somebody says, well, Jill, you know, how, how can you call yourself an expert? You know, how do you know you're the expert? I'm not saying I'm the expert. I'm an expert. Yeah. Right. And so I, the definition of expert is if you know a more, a lot more about a topic than most people, yeah. you're an expert. Yeah. And I know, I know my topic, like the back of my hand, there's always more to learn and I am always learning, but it's so, so much simpler in my opinion, once you have a lane, because then your book is about the lane, your keynote speech is about that lane, your breakout session is about that lane. You only need to continue learning and growing in your lane. Right. And I think it has helped me tremendously move forward faster than I am a specialist versus a generalist. Yeah. What would you say to someone who is listening to this and is a is a speaker at some point in the career and they're just not getting the traction that you're getting and they're frustrated, they're annoyed, they're discouraged, they're going, should I do this? Should I quit? Is this for me? Because again, I know like we talked about earlier, you've been at those yeah. points. You've been at those moments where you're just, you're asking those questions. So what would you say to that person? I would say do things differently. So I'm a huge believer that if you're doing something in life over and over again and it's not working that there's something that needs to be tweaked. There's something that needs to be changed. And, you know, a great community to throw that out to is booked and paid to speak. So if you're coming up against a challenge, post it and see if other people have ideas for you. Mm -hmm. Again, I have virtually followed your process to the letter and I am finding success. And there are absolutely days where I'm discouraged and I feel like throwing in the towel, but I don't. And so, you know, another thing that I think people need to do is, If you're continually doing something and it's not working, don't keep doing it. Like stop doing what isn't working and do more of what is. Yeah. Right. Because there's probably something that you're doing that's working really well because you can see those results. Do more of that. And just because your strategy out of the gate was to do A, B, and C, if A and B aren't working, abandon them. So for instance, this year, I sent out a direct mail campaign, right? To hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, nothing. I'm not going to send out another direct mail campaign, right? Right. right. But I realize something that's working is me, me, Jill Christensen, sitting here every single day, yeah. sending out those emails, picking up the phone, 
keeping an Excel spreadsheet of the last time I contacted these people, contacting them five, six, seven times. Yeah. That's working. Yeah. It's hard work, but it's how I'm getting on that stage. Right. right. It's one of those things that it's not overly complicated, but it's just a matter of doing it. And it seems like that I've always felt like uh, speaking is such a momentum game, right? Yes. And the more you're doing it and the more you're planting seeds, the more you start to see results. But if this is something where, you know, you're kind of half in, half out, and you're just kind of dabbling in it, and like, I don't know, I'm kind of intrigued by speaking. But like you said, from the beginning, like, I am going to be successful at speaking. I'm going all in on this and I know this is going to work. You've been trusting the process and now again, you're seeing significant results. Absolutely. Now, I did take nine months off where I didn't work and I lived off my savings Mm -hmm. to write my book, create my keynote speech, create my breakout session, create my workbook for my full day event, Mm -hmm. right? And so I made a huge investment because I felt like that was important so that when my book was published and I did come out of the gate and start sending those emails and picking up the phone, I was ready to go. Yeah. And so, like we said, I've never made less money in my career than my first year being a speaker, but I paid my mortgage every month and paid all my bills and you know, it's all okay. And I really feel like, you know, it's a journey, Yeah. you know, and it's not going to happen overnight, but I think that if you're committed to it and you're passionate about it, and you stick to it and you follow the process, I don't really feel like it's something that you can do part-time. Yeah. I don't know how I could have ever done this part-time. And you know, but that does beg the question that if you're the breadwinner in your family, mm-hmm. you know, how do you make that step from a full-time job into being a, a paid keynote speaker? Because there is a ramp, there's a learning curve, and there is an amount of time where you're not going to make the type of money that you did in your full-time job. Yeah. And so I think there's, it's, you need to prepare for that in advance, whether that's living off your savings or, you know, ensuring that you have a spouse's income that you're going to be living off of. There's definitely some planning, but I also tend to be a risk taker, right? I mean, I don't have a family. And so, and I believe in myself 110%. And so I just believe that if I threw myself into it completely, and that if I followed the plan and the processes that I would start making money. And that is what's happening. Yeah. And that there would be a point in a few years where I'm making the six figures that I was making in corporate America mm-hmm. and more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, there's, you've had that luxury of being able to focus for nine months while after quitting a job and living off savings to get that going. And I think for some people that don't have that necessary luxury that they, uh, you can still do it on weekends, on evenings, on mornings, and finding those big chunks of time as much yes. as possible. I know for a lot of it, myself included, like that's what I did of just like every spare moment was spent working on this. And that means that you're making a lot of sacrifices. You know, you're making sacrifices uh, not only with your family, and I'm, and, and none of this is like this permanent thing where I'm, I'm never going to interact with my family ever again. It's just for a season while we're trying to build something and get something going. But like you're saying, you've made those sacrifices and now you're at a point where you're really starting to see the momentum and you're starting to reap some of the benefits of that financially and with your time. Absolutely. So that's an excellent point. And I think the chunks of time is huge, Grant. I don't think it is about 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. You need several hour blocks to commit to writing your speech, building your list, you know, going through Grant's course. It really is something that you have to commit to and dedicate pieces of time to with the knowledge that if you put in the hard work, you're going to reap the rewards, right? And I think you also need to be incredibly strategic and focused, Yeah. right? 
I mean, bright, shiny object syndrome, it's very easy to get sidetracked, very easy. And to start saying, oh, well, I'm going to start benchmarking speakers and I'm going to start going to all these networking events with speakers. And I'm going, and yes, there are probably important nuggets of information that you could be getting from that. But in the beginning, it's about you focusing and building your business and getting all the pieces of the puzzle in place and following the process so that you have a strong, solid foundation on which to launch. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, so we came into this conversation planning to talk about how to sell, how to basically build your business beyond the stage and creating and selling a course. We've run out of time, my friend. So let's do this. Can we do a part two with you? Absolutely. Let's I love do that. that. That way we can focus 100% on that. So to wrap up, we'll plan on that. We'll tease that out there for people. We'll record that soon and get that back out there. But for people who want to say, all right, I'm intrigued by Jill and her story. Uh, maybe people that are going, I work in an office that could really use some of what Jill teaches. Where can we go to learn more about you? So my website is jillchristensenintl.com. My Twitter handle is author Jill C. all over LinkedIn. And um, I'm on Booked on Paid to Speak on a regular basis because, again, I absolutely love the community and conversing with everyone. And thank you, everyone. And you know what? You can do this. Yeah. I could do this. You could do this. Yeah. There was nothing about what I did, I believe, that was special. I just believed in myself. I trusted that it was going to work, and I followed the process. Yeah. You're amazing. Thanks, Joe, for hanging for out me. with us. We're looking forward to part two of uh, talking about how you can build your business beyond the stage. So thanks for the time. Looking forward to that. Thank you, everyone. Go get them. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jill. Good stuff, right? I mean, she is someone who's really done well with just just really buckling down, just doing the work. And I think that that is really what it takes to be successful as a speaker. There's really, you know, there's some things that you need to know, but ultimately it just comes down to doing the work. I don't think it's any different than any other business or anything difficult that you want to accomplish in life. You know, if you want to get healthier, if you want to lose weight, you know, that it's not overly complicated what you got to do. You need to eat less and, and exercise more. It's just it's not that difficult, but the difficult part is actually doing it and actually executing on it. And that's where Jill has done a really great job in her speaking business, and she's seen significant results uh, because of that. So, hey, again, like I mentioned, if you want to know some more about the step-by-step system on how to find and book speaking engagements for yourself and follow exactly what Jill has done, and definitely want to check out freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com, where we're going to walk through exactly how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So make sure you check that out over at freespeakerworkshop.com. All right. I hope you have a great rest of the day. That's episode 141. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome. Awesome.